0: Hi and welcome to the Circle of Film Podcast, I'm Ryan, and join me as we step into my top 10 new March films in today's episode. What's this? What's this? The simply sensational, standing ovation, visional royal Dalton, music hall. What is this? want to be. What is this? March was a busy month. I watched a lot of movies in March, um, and I will try to uh, explain, share how many that number is, if I can get this spreadsheet to cooperate with me. Uh, I saw one hundred and eighty-two unique films in March. Um, today's episode is going to be up about the top ten. From that list that I saw in March for the first time So a couple of rewatches watches in, in, in March That were, you know, would have easily made this list Like Inside Out and The Princess Bride uh, uh, But this is, this is all about new stuff This is all new stuff, new, interesting, fun movies uh, That uh, I haven't seen before And uh, hopefully, perhaps, you haven't seen before And can uh, be enticed into watching So, we're going to jump right into it. Uh, A couple of these are films I've talked about already, so I will breeze through those, but some of them I I haven't mentioned, and uh, that'll come up when it does. Number 10, forsaking even the top 10 uh, entry music, in fact. Uh, Number 10 is a foreign language film that I watched March 21st. 2020. It is 90 minutes long. It is a 2019 film, although uh, that's up for debate. I think some people would consider it 2020, as it was available for to watch on Netflix in 2020, and only played festivals prior to that, I believe. Uh, and this is a film directed by Galder Gaztelu Arusha called The Platform. A lot of people have seen this uh, based on Letterboxd statistics. 65,000 members have logged it already, and uh, I'm one of them. I gave this movie a 68. It has an 83% the last time I looked on Rotten Tomatoes. My brief summary. A vertical prison is fed by a moving platform that starts at the top and travels downward. So the, the general idea is there are some number of platforms. Um, we're not sure until well into the movie exactly how many there are if we even really find out. Uh, but multiple hundreds at least, quite quite a few. And the center of each platform there's a wide hole where a, a segment of the floor descends at, at a various time every day. And on that segment of platform is a bounty of food. On the first platform. And whatever isn't eaten after a particular you know, a period of time is Taken away from the first platform and taken to platform two, where the people eat what they want, their fill out of what's left, and on and on and on it goes. So if you're on one of the higher platforms, it's it's kind of a good good gig. You're set up pretty well. And I would say anybody after platform like 30 is is really not not gonna do too well. They're just not only will food not be left, it will be uh, Half-eaten, it will be trampled on, rolled around in people's fingers. Will have been, you know, inside everything, and uh, just not a good deal. Um, in fact, when the movie opens, we follow our main character, I believe Ivan Masague, Masague, mm, maybe, uh, who wakes up, and, and each platform has two people on it. And, you know, he starts to introduce himself, talk to the other guy, this older gentleman that lives on the same platform as him. And... He kind of gives him the lay of the land and, and explains some of the things that are going on and what it means and what the living in the platforms are really like. And when the food arrives, it's mostly gone. There's very little. It's all, you know, leftover chicken bones and things. And the old guy's, like, ripping the scraps off of every piece of plate he can find. And... um. The new guy's kind of put off by this until the old guy, uh, you know, he kind of like balks at this. It's like, well, fuck it. You know, it's, I'm eating what I can and uh, leaving as little left as I can, you know, taking as much as I can, getting what's mine kind of a deal. And before the platform descends, the older guy gets up, drops his pants, and pees on what's left. Um,. I forget exactly what platform they start at. I want to say it's in the '80s. Uh, so even having any food left over at that point is kind of insane to me. I, I just—you got through, you know, let's say 160 people eating, and the the size of this platform is just not big enough to accommodate enough food for all these people. Uh, especially if you're thinking of like one meal a day, uh, it just—it just—it's not feasible. It does. I don't believe that it's feasible, that it could sustain everybody. Uh, so, that said, um, that is kind of where we start out. And what we find out is every month, the platform you're living on changes. So, they're currently in the 80s, I believe. Uh, the next month, they could be in the top 10. Or they could be a 100 levels lower, getting even less food. And as far as we're aware, the location of where you end up is random. And the film is much like um, the the platform itself, made of made of cinder blocks. It is very very thick and dense, and without multiple interpretation, it's, it's a very straightforward and uh, deliberate movie. It does a thing. Uh, it does a, it does that thing well. I, I think it as a commentary on uh social class and uh the haves and the have-nots and, and things like that i think it ha- it hits that message very hard and and does it does it well but that's all it really does um uh, there are a couple of like recurring characters outside of our main character that uh show up multiple times uh there's some that are elevated a little more Uh, But none of the characters really stuck with me that much, even the main character. uh, We get a brief little backstory about him and how he ended up there. And some of the other characters that he meets along the way also share, you know, what their uh, history is like. And I don't know, I just didn't... I couldn't get into that part of the movie. I, I would like... I don't need to know... The backstory of these characters. But the movie tried to give me them. And it just kind of muddied the waters. As far as I'm concerned. Uh, but all that said. I think it's a it succeeds in what it's doing. It achieves the result it's looking for. And uh, I kind of just wish it had aimed higher. Mostly. But the platform. I think it's worth a watch. I think it's worth a watch. It is in a foreign language. But it is on Netflix. So number 10. <laughs> platform with a 68. Number nine. This is a 1964 film that I watched March 12, 2020. It is 118 minutes long. My brief summary. After support for nuclear disarmament, military leaders prepare a coup against the president. I gave this a 69. It has a 91% on Rotten Tomatoes last I looked. It is directed by John Frankenheimer, starring Burt Lancaster, Kirk Douglas, Frederick March, Ava Gardner, Edmund O'Brien, Martin Balsam, Andrew Dugan, Hugh Marlowe, Whit Bissell, among others, and that is Seven Days in May. Seven Days in May is political thriller, intrigue. If you can't couldn't tell by the summary, uh, it features a great cast with some really exceptional performances. I would single out Burt Lancaster. I would single out Frederick March, and uh, even Kirk Douglas is is really good in this. Ava Gardner. Man, I just, I don't feel like she needed to be in this movie at all. Every element of her story in the movie felt unnecessary. It just felt like it was drawing us away from what mattered. Um, Because all the scenes, you know, a lot of, you know, whether it's the president and the military leaders, or military leaders Kirk Douglas, Kirk Douglas and the president. uh, Kirk Douglas plays the U.S. Army colonel who learns of the coup and and kind of becomes a go-between between the military leaders and the president himself and watching all these interactions these confrontations the conflict the building of tension in this movie is wonderful that is such a great side to the movie and then whenever that's not what's happening uh the floor kind of falls out from underneath it for me um i think you know it could have if you cut all the ave gardner stuff um, you get it maybe down to like 100 minutes, and it's a really tight, really thrilling movie. Um, but as it is, I think it's a strong film. I think it's still good. I liked it, uh, and I, I think it's worth checking out, especially for some of these performances. Um, you know, Lancaster and Douglas and, and March are, are really quite spectacular. And uh, more than that, it, you know, nominated for two Oscars. Uh, Edmund O'Brien in a supporting role, and uh, for Best Black and White Production, Uh, Edmund O'Brien plays a senator in the film, and I liked him a lot too, Uh, he didn't stick, his part didn't really stick with me uh, that much after I, you know, after I had seen the movie, but sure, I get it, I I get it, I get why he he was a Pivotal, I get, why, I get why he was kind of singled out So, Seven Days in May uh, You can find it on Amazon I think you can rent it on Amazon And it's, you know, it's Google Play, iTunes, YouTube All that kind of stuff Very available and uh, worth checking out uh, If you like a political thriller Every now and, now and again Number nine, Seven Days in May With a 69 Number eight, this is a movie I've already talked about So I won't spend too long on it uh, I saw it March 21st, 113 minutes. It is a 2020 movie. My brief summary, a young woman acting with an authority on matters of the heart becomes entwined in various lovers' affairs. Gave it to 69. It has an 85% on Rotten Tomatoes. It is directed by Autumn Wilde, starring Anya Taylor-Joy, Johnny Flynn, Josh O'Connor, Callum Turner, Mia Goth, Miranda Hart, Bill Knight, and Rupert Graves, among others. Emma, period. I did an episode uh, reviewing Emma, talking about it, uh, I do like the movie, you can find out more of my thoughts uh, listening to that review, I like the movie, I don't like it as much as the 90s version with Gwyneth Paltrow, but I do like some of the elements to this one, uh, so I know it's out on uh, Amazon right now already, and, you know, a period piece that I think does some, does some fun and interesting things, and... Uh, Miranda Hart and Bill Nighy are probably worth the the price of admission by themselves. So, my number 8 with a 69 Emma, period. My number 7, another film I've talked about already... Uh, I saw it March 2nd, 2020 It is 113 minutes long It is a 2020 film My brief summary After a woman escapes an abusive relationship She believes that her ex is stalking her while invisible Gave it a 71 It has a 91% Last time I looked on Rotten Tomatoes It is directed by Lee Wannell Starring Elizabeth Moss, Aldis Hodge, Storm Reed, Michael Dorman, Harriet Dyer, among others And this is The Invisible Man Did a review episode on this as well Love Elizabeth Moss. I really did like this movie quite a bit. I think Lee Waow has a strength as a director, but there are definitely some writing choices and plot uh, contrivances that kept it a lower than it could have been. I think the suspense is great. I think the horror element is really exciting. The thriller element really exciting. And uh, some of the just some of the places this movie goes are really tough to watch. And Elizabeth Moss does an incredible job making it tough to watch. Um, Invisible Man. My number is 7. With a 71. Number 6. Foreign language film. I saw March 9th. It is 112 minutes long. From 1959. My summary. A poet warrior aids his friend's attempts to woo the woman that the warrior loves. Give it a 72. Has a no-score on Rotten Tomatoes, it is directed by Hiroshi Inagaki, starring Toshiro Mifune, Yoko Tsukasa, Akira Takarada, Keiko Awaji, Seizaburo Kawazu, Kawatsu, and Kamatari Fujiwara, among others. And this is Samurai Saga. If you're not familiar, um, and and couldn't put it together with the summary, uh, this is the Japanese take on the Cyrano de Bergerac play. Uh, basically a guy with a long nose, big nose, whatever. Oversized nose who falls in love with a woman. And she does not reciprocate that love. And so he in turn helps a friend of his woo her. And uh, uses his own words of affection. And transplants them uh, in his mouth. I watched the original Cyrano de Bergerac Recently as well Uh, I thought it was fine I liked Miguel Ferrer's performance But I I think it really peaks in its opening scene Whereas Samurai Saga And I think in conjunction with the direction uh, The combination of Inagaki's direction Which is the first movie of his I've seen And uh, Toshiro Mifune's performance As uh, Heihachiro Komaki Or Tsurono de Bergerac uh, it just, it it works so beautifully. There is a long scene where Mufune's face is completely shrouded and hidden, and it is just his voice and the movement of his body, and, you know, he, I don't know if I would say he's, you know, a, a once-in-a-generation type of an actor, necessarily. I think, you know, he kind of ended up, being this, you know, he's just really charismatic, he, he owns the stage, owns the screen whenever he's he's on it, but he he's not the greatest actor, you know, he does great action, he does great stunts, you know, he's like a Tom Cruise, Brad Pitt hybrid type of a thing, and they're both good, and he's absolutely a good actor, but I wouldn't raise him to the status of great necessarily, but physically, he is... You know, on par with some of the greatest physical actors ever. I think Adam Driver is a great physical actor. I think uh, Tom Hardy is a great physical actor. And I think Toshiro Mifune is is right alongside them in that, you know, in, in that echelon. And that scene where you can't see his face, you just have to hear what he's saying. You have to watch what he's doing and how he's moving. It's brilliant. It is beautiful. And it just... It makes the movie for me. That, you know, Mifune's performance. And then Inigake's direction as well is... It's delicate. Like, most of the movie is kind of shot on a a stage. It looks very stagey. And doesn't feel like they're actually out in the world. And that should be very jarring. It should be very off-putting. And it's not. It, It feels real. It feels alive. It feels exciting. And I think Inigake just... And Agaki, I don't know, he he just really knew how to compose a set and and, and compose a shot, or create a set, compose a shot. And I'm looking forward to some of his other movies. He is the director of the entire um, Samurai trilogy. Samurai 1, Samurai 2, and Samurai 3, which I'm very much looking forward to. Uh, Yeah. Samurai Saga. My number six My number five Another Japanese film This one saw March 24th 105 minutes long, it's from 1950 My brief summary A tabloid falsifies a romantic relationship Leading to a legal battle I gave it a 72 It has an 86% on Rotten Tomatoes it Is directed by Akira Kurosawa Starring Toshiro Mifune, Shirley Yamaguchi Yoko Katsu, Katsura, Katsuragi Noriko Sengoku, Itaro Otsawa, and Takashi Shimura, among others And this is called Scandal Again, another Toshiro Mifune movie Uh, A Kurosawa film on top of that I love Kurosawa I think he's made some of the best movies ever And he's made a lot of them with Mifune He's also made a lot of them with Takashi Shimura And Takashi Shimura is best in show in this movie Um Mufune's great. Uh he and uh he and uh Shirley Yamaguchi play this these friends who are both celebrities uh to a degree, and you know, tabloids get a hold of a picture of them and and rumors begin to circulate about their romantic relationship that doesn't exist. And so they sue the tabloid for um slander and it all becomes a scandal becomes a huge case you know the first third of this movie is is dealing with the the ramifications of the scandal the second third is preparing for the legal battle and the last third is mostly the court drama and Mifune's fine you know he's playing this uh, you know he's a samurai warrior he's a you know charismatic guy and of course he's playing a painter who rides a motorcycle he's kind of a badass um And then you've got Takashi Shimura, who is maybe the best character even in this movie. He's an attorney. He ends up being the attorney that, you know, works for uh, Mifune and Yamaguchi's characters. And there's so much rich depth to this character that when his final climactic moment arrives, it is, you know, it is such a huge beat in this movie that you can't look away from, that Shimura gives everything everything he has too and i i you know i i liked the movie up until this point i thought it was a solid like three stars like low 60s for me and then that scene hits and it is not only is it a great moment and of course Shimura gives a great performance in it but it it recontextualizes so much of what's come before in a you know whether or not you expected this moment to come to As it did It still I don't know It just it just was such a big moment for me And I really really enjoyed it And uh, bumped it up just over that Three and a half star uh, Hump to a 72 So Akira Kurosawa's Scandal Is my number Five Number four Continuing, uh, the foreign language films is the last one on the list. This is a March 20th film, or a film I saw on March 20th. It's 108 minutes long. It's from 1962. Uh, My brief summary, a wealthy businessman announces that his fortune will be split between his three illegitimate children. gave it a 74. It has no score on Rotten Tomatoes. It is directed by Masaki Kobayashi, and it stars Keiko Kishi, Tatsuya Nakadai, so Yamamura, Yusuke, Kawatsu, Seiji, Miyaguchi, among others And this is The Inheritance Mizaki Kobayashi, who directed the Human Condition Trilogy Who directed Harakiri uh, and Kwaidan All fantastic films that I would recommend to anybody Also made The Inheritance And uh, The Inheritance is It's kind of a stage play It's a lot of just talking Um, but it's so much conniving, intrigue, uh, you know, it, I, I, you know, having seen so many great films from Kobayashi already and knowing that he and, and Tatsuya Nakadai were working together on this, uh, the, the bar was very high and it doesn't quite reach the bar in my opinion, but it comes very close. Uh, Nakadai is great in this. He's very young and, 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 Kind of aloof to a degree, to a degree. Uh, the sub- entire supporting cast is fantastic. Uh, a lot of prominent female characters as well, which is something that isn't quite as uh, frequent in Kurosawa's films. Uh, it it because it's kind of a stage play. It's all it's far more dependent on the writing than it is you know the direction, the cinematography, and things like that, uh, which helps. It absolutely helps, and, and, and like it looks great. It's in black and white, but the shots are composed elegantly and tastefully to incorporate exactly as much information as you need. and uh, the, the production design is, is so on point in, in making sure you can see the very items, the, the various items that uh, they, they want you to see, you know. And Nanjo and Inigaki, they're the writers of the film managed to make this a kind of quick film uh, the pace moves fast the interactions between the characters are abrupt they're they're uh, there's no downtime between them and you know one scene to the next betrayal they're you know backstabbing uh, just just constant, not really knowing who's going to end up on top because the movie does a really makes the very intelligent choice to not make any of the characters the main character, really. You're not rooting for someone in specifically, at least I wasn't. Uh you're kind of just waiting to see who's going to actually get the money and, and whose lie is going to be believed and you know who has just enough truth peppered into what into their falsehood to get enough people on their side and and to support them. So, watching all these characters move around the board and interact with each other, I really enjoyed The Inheritance quite a bit. Number four, The Inheritance, with a 74. Number three, film I saw March 26th. It is 89 minutes long. It is from 1950. My brief summary, after learning he doesn't have long to live... A man spends his savings on a stay at a resort. Gave this a 75. It has a 100% on Rotten Tomatoes. It is directed by Henry Cass. And it stars Alec Guinness, Beatrice Campbell, Kay Walsh, Grigiois Aslan, Jean Collin, and Muriel George, among others. And this is Last Holiday. Now, you may be familiar with The Last Holiday that that starred Queen Latifah. Uh, and I kind of mentioned this on, uh, I think, Alec Guinness. He was on one of the top ten actor lists I've done recently. Uh, probably the 1910's top ten. And I think I kind of went, went into the last holiday a bit there. Suffice to say, uh, George Bird, Alec Guinness, diagnosed with a terminal illness, given a couple of weeks, month month to live, and so he packs up all his stuff, sells all his belongings, his possessions, takes out, you know, as much money as he can and goes abroad and and to enjoy a final holiday. And of course, now that he's, I don't know, you, you know, your life changes, your attitude has to change when you know what he knows, when you learn that you know, if you're if you're 30, 40 years old and you you know, you you wouldn't expect You're not planning to die in the next couple of months. Of course, it's always a possibility, no matter how old you are, that your end is near. But until you're in your, you know, 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, you're not, I'm not at least, actively thinking about it. But once, but if you learn that it is coming very soon, uh, everything has to change. It can't stay the same. You know, there's no way. You Act differently. Your you, your goals are different. Your desires, your wants, and so this entirely new demeanor, this this very unique life outlook that Guinness, that George Bird has in this movie, and that he takes on this last holiday, uh, affects everyone. Everyone kind of sees him as this really fascinating uh, genius. You know this this aloof but in a good way, this uh, hard-to-pin-down guy, and it does so well for him, and it kind of becomes a, its own cross to bear in that, you know, knowing that you're going to die and then suddenly, you know, everything is being given to you, it sucks that you won't be able to use it all, and and the movie kind of looks at thing, things like that and and approaches things in a, a very curious manner. Um, it is a it is a rough movie. It, it's very joyous at times, but it has a very dark, dramatic center to it, and uh, really is kind of a roller coaster from start to finish. Uh, especially the last, you know, thirty to forty minutes are really exciting, um, and I really enjoyed it. And Alec Guinness is great. Alec Guinness is really, really good in this. My um, number three from March, Last Holiday. With a 75. Number two. Runner up for March 2020. I saw it March 2nd. It is 105 minutes long. And it's from 1976. My summary. A man in hiding. Calls his childhood friend for help. Escaping his debt. And a hitman. Gave it a 78. It has an 84% on Rotten Tomatoes. It is directed by Elaine May. It stars Peter Falk, John Cassavetes, Ned Beatty, Ned Betty, Beatty, uh, Rose, Eric, Carol Grace, William Hickey, Sanford Meisner, Joyce Van M. Emmett Walsh, among others. And this is Mikey and Nikki. Mikey and Nikki. uh, Cassavetes is on the lam, as it were. Uh, He's in hiding, and he calls up, or he's Nicky. Cassavetes is Nicky. Calls up his friend Mikey, played by Peter Falk, and uh, wants help. You know, kind of evade money collectors, the mob, evade the hitman that's chasing after him. Uh, And the guys, you know, they have this great relationship, this great, you know uh uh charisma between the two of them this what's the term I'm looking for um I'm sure you you know what I mean they work well together, but they they've been friends for a long time and they haven't seen each other in a long time either and so you know old old wounds resurface uh it's it's dealing with a lot of aging. You know, childhood friendship type of things. The writing, uh, Elaine May wrote and directed the film, and she does a fantastic job. Uh, I've seen one other film from Elaine May, and that's The Heartbreak Kid from 1972, which I also enjoyed. Um, it's not great, but I enjoyed it. And uh, she didn't make a bunch, a lot of movies. She made Heartbreak Kid, uh, she made A New Leaf. She made Mikey and Nikki, and she made Ishtar, and that's pretty much it. Uh, So, I've only seen, this is only my second film of hers, but, I don't know, I loved the chemistry between Falk and Cassafetes, I loved the dynamic between the two of them, I loved the way the story unfolded, and the characters, and how rich they were, but... My issue, and this is what held it back from, you know, hitting that four-star 80-point threshold for me, is is the end of the movie didn't quite come together well enough. I think all the pieces were in place for this to be a great film, and I, I think it just it misses the mark at the end. And, you know, I, I still, I wasn't let down exactly. It wasn't like it went so far off that it negatively impacted the film. But it failed to push, keep pushing forward. It just kind of flattened at the very last, you know, twenty twenty minute, twenty minutes or so. And I was, I was really disappointed. I, I kind of let down, I guess. Um, which was a shame. I, I think there's, uh, so much that could have been done. And maybe I need to rewatch it. I, I even mentioned that and I think in my letterbox review that I really want to, re- I want to rewatch it at some point and make sure, you know, I wouldn't. Wasn't missing something, uh, you know, or, or maybe the ending will strike me a little differently, having a little more background on these characters and recognizing them more, and uh, we'll see. I don't know. I I still really like the film. I think it's really good, but I was a little. I think the ending could have could have been could have been stronger. Um, so my number two, my runner-up for March of twenty twenty, Mikey. And Nikki, which brings me to wow, which brings me to my number one, which I have talked about already. So, won't spend super long on it. Uh, I saw it March fifth is ninety-two minutes long, it is an animated film from twenty twenty. My summary: Two elf brothers set out on a quest to bring their father back for a day. I gave it an eighty-one. It is an eighty-six percent on Rotten Tomatoes. It is directed by Dan Scanlon, starring Tom Holland, Chris Pratt, Julia Louis-Dreyfus, Octavia Spencer, Mel Rodriguez, Kyle Bornheimer, Lena Waithe, Ali Wong, Grey DeLisle, Tracy Ullman, Wilmer Valderrama, John Ratzenberger, among others. And this is, of course, Onward. I have a long review episode for this already. I mentioned in there a couple of times, I think, that uh, if I rewatch this, it might drop the score down a few points. Um and even as I was talking about it, I could feel myself, you know, reacting a little less and a little less to to the movie and how some of it worked out. It absolutely worked on me. The emotional punches in this movie landed perfectly. They completely knocked me out by the end of it. But there are a lot of issues, and I think it's a very, it's definitely "quote unquote" lesser Pixar, which is still good, still you know very good, uh, but not as groundbreaking, not as um, life-altering as, as some of their better films have been. Uh, so uh, to that end, I really like Onward, and I think it's worth checking out. I think there's not much to be unhappy about. I think it's funny. Uh, I think the voice acting is really good. I really like Holland and Pratt as the brothers, um, Ian and and Barley. I think they work well together. Uh, but I don't know, it just a lot of it feel felt um by the numbers for a Pixar film. You know, it it I heard people call it like a Dreamworks Pixar film or a Sony Animations Pixar film or things like that and you know, it's a little reductive, but it's not inaccurate to, to give it those labels and and it's a shame. It's a shame. Uh so my number one though, as of the moment, uh, favorite film that I saw in 2020, best film I saw in 2020, March, is Onward. And it's on Disney Plus now, so if you have that, it's worth checking out. I think it's it's definitely a good movie worth seeing if you can get around to it. Uh, so I'll run down that top 10 one more time for you. From ten to one, The Platform, Seven Days in May, Emma, period. The Invisible Man, Samurai Saga, Scandal, The Inheritance, Last Holiday, Mikey and Nikki, and Onward. Those are my top ten films that I saw for the first time in March. Um. So the other thing, I I mentioned that I'm doing the uh a scavenger hunt. The last Friday's episode was the start of it. I'm very close to finishing already, as I am wont to do. And Already I can feel that like four, ish of these movies are going to be in my top 10 of April list. Uh, so we may or may not see that episode. Um, or I may do it and exclude the uh, scavenger hunt movies just to make sure there's a little variety. Uh, but yeah, I'm looking forward to doing a scavenger hunt review episode. It has been a while. Um... But other than that, uh, that's kind of it for today's episode. I really appreciate it. Thank you for listening. It does mean a lot. If you'd like to find more episodes, you can head over to iTunes, Stitcher, Plays, where podcasts can be found. You can find me on Twitter at Circle of Film. You can find me on Letterboxd at Circle of Film. You can email Film at gmail.com. You can also find the website, circleoffilm.com, which has all the old Scavenger Hunt episodes. It has all the episodes of the show if you can't find them on other services and uh, a a bunch of other stuff. If you'd like to support the show... You can do that by liking it, rating it, reviewing it, subscribing to it, telling somebody about it, uh, or listening. Listening is the best thing you can do. Uh, but if you are so inclined, you can become a patron at patreon.com slash where Wherefore, as little as $1 a month, you can have early access to all the episodes that are released early. Um, yeah, that's it. i got to thank Brian for being such a wonderful patron. It means so much uh, to have that support. And I uh, thank all of you for listening. It truly is uh, really, really, really nice. Thanks once again. And as always, have a week. So long, farewell, I'll be the same good night. I know she'll never leave me, even as she fades from view. So long, farewell, I'll be the same at you. Nothing's really there. Or lost without a trace nothing's gone forever only out of place so long farewell oh what you say wait a minute wait a minute. Wait a minute so long.